Daily Drive is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Find out what Reynolds is up to in the digital retailing space by visiting reyrey.com slash retail anywhere. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash retail anywhere. I'm Jamie Butters, Chief Content Officer for Automotive News. Welcome to Daily Drive for Thursday, September 23rd, 2021. On the short list of things I was looking forward to at Motorbella, one of them was hearing Jeff Schuster's latest thoughts on the chip shortage and its impact on global auto production. Unfortunately, our panel discussion with the SAA, Society of Automotive Analysts, was rained out along with the event's second-day activities. But I wanted to talk with Jeff anyway, and I thought Daily Drive listeners would be interested too. I reached him at his home office in Metro Detroit. Jeff Schuster, welcome to Daily Drive. Thanks for having me. The weather forecast wasn't good to us, but uh, how's how's the auto forecast? You you must update it almost daily at this point, right? Well, I suppose you know there's always been that joke in the industry that that forecasting is is like weather forecasting, and, and, and unfortunately, that's probably more true now than it's ever been. And that is, um, it, it's almost a sense of like looking out at the sky and deciding, you know, is it is it um, is it going to be a, a another downward revision or not. And that's unfortunately where we're, you know, where we've been moving quite rapidly over the last uh, several weeks um, from a, an outlook standpoint, uh, you know, if, if, if we, if we take a step back and, and look at things, you know, there was, there was the hope. And I think the industry was, was kind of latched onto this, at least um, uh, through the OEMs uh, announcements, reporting um, uh, suggestions that this thing was going to f- the, the chip situation and other parts shortages were, were going to work itself out and, and be resolved um, through this after the second quarter, kind of the mid-year point. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, <laughs> and then, so we've been in a phase really of pushing things out over the last few weeks. So then it was, well, maybe by the fourth quarter, uh, the industry was thinking, and, and then it was, well, maybe into early 2022. And now we're um, we're at a situation where we're probably not going to see any any material recovery in production um, production slash demand. I use that together because it's it's a combination of when you you know, you know when you fill the production orders and they make it to dealerships, uh, they're gone immediately. So the inventory build isn't going to happen uh, until probably late 2022, maybe not even until early 23 at this point, uh, and that's having a you know, when you factor that in and use that as your assumption, that's having a pretty substantial downward uh, hit to the to the volume. Uh, as an example, you know if you if you look at the U.S. Uh, U.S. demand forecast first, um, and we can talk about the production implications because that's obviously what's driving this. But U.S. demand, you know, we were on track before this, um, just looking at where consumer demand was between seventeen and probably seventeen and a half million units for the wow. year. Um, so, you know, a fantastic year, getting close to record levels, really, for the Full U.S. Full recovery, basically. Full recovery, absolutely. Yeah. And, and and then some. Um, so maybe even overshooting it a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, if we fast forward to right now, and this is probably not the bottom yet. Um, I think there's still a little weakness um, that could come in the fourth quarter. But we're looking at a, a f- an under 15 million unit uh, U.S. market. 
for light vehicles. For light vehicles, exactly, yeah. for light vehicles. So um, that's only f- roughly 500,000 units better than we were last year. So there is some recovery, but it's been completely muted by this essentially part shortage, um, primarily caused by the chips, uh, semiconductors. So, uh, you know, if, if you extrapolate that and, and look at where what's you know, what's driving it, obviously it's production. So, you know, you're looking at production levels, uh, essentially a, only a little bit higher. We're expecting North America to, to come in um, only around low 13. So probably 13, three, 13, 2 million units this year. That's only marginally better. We're talking less than 3% better than where we were last year. Um, so you can't build inventory and you can't replenish dealership lots um, when you're looking at numbers like that. Yeah. So when you, you're talking about the sales forecast um, and you call it a demand forecast, but the demand is really high. It's just that they can't meet the demand (laughs) because the production, the supply is too low. That's absolutely right. So this is a very unique uh, situation where you essentially have, uh, have the tail wagging the dog where uh, demand is there. Consumers want to buy vehicles. You know, they want to turn those leases in and, and lease another vehicle uh, or purchase a vehicle, and they just the availability is just not there right now. Um, and I think it's the the other side of it is because the availability isn't there, pricing is through the you know through the roof, and it's becoming uh, less and less affordable for many consumers to even consider a new car purchase. When, as a guy who started covering this industry uh, at the factory level, you know I. Think about two and a half million lost vehicle sales. Mm-hmm. You know that's that's ten assembly plants of production, mm-hmm, give or mm-hmm. take, right? And uh, you just think about all the people around North America who are not able to, who have been not able to make vehicles this year. I mean, it's just a, it's got to be a huge economic hit. Oh, it is, and and obviously this is coming on the heels of of you know the the shutdown, the the pandemic recession that we had last year. So if you you know if if you look at at that, so you're coming off of that. This year was supposed to be the recovery. All all signals were pointing to a very strong recovery, not only here in North America, the U.S., but globally. And essentially, uh, you have a massive supply constraint that is again a global issue. Um, that that takes the industry and 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 basically squashes the the recovery path that we were on. This week, uh, GM President Mark Royce was talking about how chip supply looks like it might stabilize, but still not satisfy demand. Is that what you're seeing in sort of the near term? You know, it is. It it's. It's obviously very fluid. Uh, so you have so many moving pieces here, um, and I think when you look at just the complexity of the uh, of the chip industry itself, and you know from from wafer production all the way through the the, the lead times, which have extended, um, you know, part of the reason why we got here is not just because of the of the the shutdowns last year, the, the you know, due to COVID, but this is an industry that does not stockpile um, inventory, uh, meaning the chip industry. Uh, so when you then have that compiled with a, a lockdown and a shutdown of, of operations uh, last year, 
trying to then recover from that and get production back up and running and hitting those disruptions that, that we ran into uh, with just getting manufacturing back up and running last year. Mm-hmm. All of that feeds into uh, where we're at right now. And obviously the demand in other industries uh, taking uh, potentially taking some of that volume away, the chip volume away from the autos when autos were down last year. Um, and, and, you know, now, yeah. So I, I guess going back to your your question, I think when you look at it, um, we do expect things to to be better and stabilize. Um, but stabilize is probably a um, you know tricky word to use right now because <laughs> you know you'd have to define that a different in a different way than you did previously. Uh, so I think yeah, yeah. things will things will be yeah. better, but they're not going to be enough to support demand, and it won't feel much better if you're a consumer looking for a vehicle. Unfortunately, right, right. So yeah, if you're stabilized at eighty or ninety percent of of capacity uh, when inventory is low, that's that's right. not going to get you get you right. Are there any I mean, so if we're going to have a, if we are looking at persistent undersupply being, you know, the norm for another year, at least, you know, two or three more quarters, I mean, how does that play out? We've already, so much of the inventory of not only new vehicles, but used vehicles has been depleted. Mm -hmm. Is there a, a limit? Do people start to find alternatives to personal vehicle ownership? You know, that's a really good point. Um, it's something we certainly have been have been looking at. I think there's there is an element uh, of what I would just call lost recovery demand, at least temporarily. So, you know, one thing that some consumers have been doing um, is essentially buying their leases out because there again there isn't another lease or an affordable lease. They're not willing to spend you know what what it costs now for for the same vehicle or whatever vehicle they were looking for, um, and there aren't you know, used car pricing has also increased substantially. So I, I think you have two things happening. You've got some consumers buying leases out. You have some consumers moving to the used car market. Um, and I think you have other consumers that are, are, are going to wait it out. Maybe they're going to do without that vehicle um, and, and essentially turn it back in if it was a lease or fix an existing uh, uh, owned vehicle instead of, uh, instead of selling it to get that new vehicle. So this could have, I mean, it could provide a, a slight buffer on that demand, that strong demand, not, not in a positive way, I suppose. Um, right. But over the next 12 to 18 months, uh, maybe even a couple of years, I, I think there could be some risk that that's, some consumers have been uh, essentially squeezed out of the market, the new car market right now. We'll be back for more with Jeff Schuster at LMC Automotive after this. As online experiences exploded this past year, it was clear dealers needed an approach that kept them in business for the long term. Chris Walsh, Casey Edwards, and Dave Bates, Top Reynolds executives, sat down to discuss today's digital retailing landscape. Here's an excerpt from that roundtable discussion. So what are dealers trying to do to get this fully online and online to in-store experience? I mean, that's a great question. And honestly, it's, a, it's kind of a hard one to answer because retailers are kind of defining and using digital retailing differently. You know, to some dealers, it's selling a car. To other, it's sales and F&I. And they, they tend to be approaching it in chunks versus, you know, kind of a holistic, holistic approach. And then you end up just focusing on one or two things when you need to focus on, you know, more of a big picture. Digital retailing is dealership operations, period. Reynolds' Retail Anywhere approach focuses on streamlining dealership operations and improving profitability. 
For more information about this big picture holistic approach, visit reyrey.com slash retail anywhere. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash retail anywhere. Is there a distinguishable difference between how automakers are performing? Do you project any market share shifts based on the ability or inability to, you know, get silicon and get get chips and mm-hmm. uh, assemble vehicles? Um, well, you know, so far to date, obviously there, there's been a harder hit with some. Um, I think Toyota was in, and maybe Hyundai Kia were, were have been outperforming, um, not just here in the U.S. but globally because of their ability to to uh, keep production running because they had they had some chip supply. Uh, so I think that that seems to be coming to an end. That advantage uh, it seems like um, from a again from a global perspective. Uh, looking at some of their operations uh, in their production facilities, they're starting to have uh, a more pronounced and reoccurring impact. Uh, so I think maybe uh, that's starting to balance out. So it it appears those that had had some advantage, um, you know, in, in early on, GM had some advantage over Ford as an example, and now you're seeing again the balancing of that out, and you're seeing some 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 additional pullback on the side of, uh, of GM from a manufacturing standpoint. So there is a more pronounced impact, um, you know, more loss, uh, higher, higher levels, I should say, of lost production for GM than we saw at the beginning of this. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think as you progress forward, it's probably a little bit more of a level playing field as far as impact goes. Um, but you're going to have uh, certainly some decisions on, on how priorities are set, uh, you know, how you go about dealing with the, the shortage of chips. Uh, you know, as an example, do you, do you build and in, in store vehicles um, without the chips and then put the chips in after, which we've seen that by, by some manufacturers, notably Ford and, and GM have done that. Um, do you decontent, take some content out that, you know, that chips are going into. We saw that being done in Europe more, um, uh, not frequently, but um, use a little bit more than here. So I think they're obviously uh, moving moving production around to to hit your harm, high margin vehicles, your trucks, your SUVs here in, uh, in North America. Um, so that prioritization has certainly been occurring in, in most markets. So I think we'll continue to see that. And those that do that well, um, may have a slight advantage and outperform, but uh, but this is definitely an industry wide situation uh, that we're in at this point. And you also mentioned that it is a global shortage, but are there are there major markets that are getting less of the squeeze or or more of it? How is the U.S. and North America uh, comparing with you know China or Europe, Japan? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say North America, again, looking at it from a manufacturing standpoint, um, is probably on par with what we're seeing in Europe. So they're both, uh, both Western Europe and North America hit pretty hard uh, from a, essentially production downtime or lost volume. Um, I mean, you're looking uh, in the case of North America, you know, it's, it's, it's north of, uh, of, of two and a half million units, probably going to be closer to 3 million units when it's all said and done of, of lost volume specifically um, due to chip uh, chip shortages. There's, there's other disruptions, which we can talk about, um, you know, after I finish this thought, but I think if you look at that, you look at, uh, at Europe, you're, you're looking at similar losses. 
Um, China's a couple of million units. Uh, the globe is is north of 10, right around 10 million, maybe north of 10 million, uh, again, by, by year end, as far as lost production volume due specifically to chips. Um, where we've seen some, uh, I guess, less impact, Japan, Korea, Again, those were early on where, where right. we were seeing some significant losses uh, really in the first, second quarter, and now into the third quarter for North America and Europe. Um, they're going to now experience similar losses. So I think, again, that it, that that benefit is gone. China is a bit isolated um, or, or insulated, I guess, is a better way mm-hmm. to put it. Um, you know, their production supports most of their demand. They also have chip production. So I think you, you've got some possibilities there to, to mitigate some of it. Although, uh, you know, we're talking with our colleagues in, in China recently, they they are seeing and experiencing uh, more pronounced uh, impacts um, and expecting that to continue well into the fourth quarter and into next year. So they're definitely not immune to it uh, in, in China either. So I, I think, again, it is, it is global, but I would say, to date and through 2021, it's probably North America and Europe that have been hit the hardest. So we're we're just about out of time, but uh, I wanted to ask, I mean, what else are you watching? You mentioned some of the other threats to production. There's also, I mean, unemployment uh, mm-hmm. could end up uh, sapping some of the consumer demand or inflation, taking money away from transportation and purchase of vehicles. Uh, what What's on your radar? No, you're you're absolutely right. I think those are, those are some a couple of key points. Uh, I think um, you know right now when we look at it, there's there's two two sides. Obviously, the manufacturing side. So you have you have additional disruptions there. Um, it, you know, it could be labor labor disruptions. Uh, just having having staff uh, to assemble vehicles, manufacturing staff. Uh, there's definitely been concerns and shortages there. Uh, you have you have other parts shortages uh, that have been masked really by uh, by the the semiconductor situation. Uh, so you have brake components, you have wire harness connectors, um, you know, all the way down and through raw materials. Uh, some issues with getting some of those those uh, materials in to make the part. So I think all of that this extremely complex supply chain that we have. Uh, is vulnerable to uh, to these type of situations and and disruptions, and I think we're, you know, assuming we, we see some even at a lower level some stabilization in in the chip situation, these other shortages likely will come to to the surface, and then on the on the the other side of it, the demand side of it, you're 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 right. I'm concerned right now about inflation. Um, definitely concerned about. Uh, what that looks like, and, and certainly the the unemployment situation, and, and again, you're, you're now getting into the uh, the affordability issue with consumers. Uh, you know, not just inflation or pricing increases that we've seen specific to automobiles, but just everything else uh, taking a priority uh, with, with consumers. So I think there's you know there's no shortage of risks ahead. Um, I think the industry is still very healthy. Um, but I, I think it's going to be a bumpy ride over the next 18 months. Well put. Jeff Schuster of LMC Automotive, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Jamie. That's Daily Drive for September 23rd. For the latest news on the auto industry, type in autonews.com. And for a complete catalog of about 350 interviews, go to autonews.com slash daily drive. 
I'm Jamie Butters. Thanks for listening.